Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. This morning for Every Day is Earth Day, I have Trent Dato. He is the founder of Aqua Garden LLC, which has a product line called Wobbly Walleye. He is now starting this interesting business. His name is Trent Dato. And Trent and some friends started this new business with aquaponics, producing not only plants with aquaponics, they're raising walleye, and it's all in a self-contained system. Good morning, Trent. Good morning, Karen. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. Now, it's an interesting concept. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about sustainability and preventing pollution and all things that we can do to, to be kind to the earth. And when I saw what you guys were doing, I thought, this is genius. I want you to describe what exactly you're doing. It's just a unique, to me, it's unique. And so give a little, I guess, example of what exactly this is. Yeah, so the the technical name for the type of system that we have is, is like you said, aquaponics. So it combines the names of two different types of growing technology, aquaculture, which is the rearing of fish, and then hydroponics, which is a growing of plants in an indoor type type system. So when you combine aquaculture and hydroponics together, you get aquaponics, so the combination of mm-hmm. the two. So uh, the business originally started because each of us partners had a little bit of a unique upbringing and interest, um, but the one thing that came all together was the interest to, to grow food in our community in an efficient, um, efficient manner. So what really got us thinking, doing some research into aquaculture, so the raising of fish, is an extremely efficient way to uh, produce protein one of the main nutrients that comes from fish because the, the feed efficiency of, of fish, so the amount of food, uh, amount of feed that it takes to grow fish is extremely good, about actually one-to-one. So every pound of feed that you feed a, a fish, uh, they actually gain about a pound when you compare this to some other forms of animal protein such as beef or pork or chicken. They range up anywhere from three pounds of feed per pound of gain, all the way up for beef is somewhere near seven to eight pounds of feed to one pounds of protein. So we thought that really uh, made an efficient and telling story that fish was a really good way to do it. And looking into it more, we wanted to figure out a way to make it even a more sustainable um, and efficient process. And with that came the idea of growing plants with, with this system, uh, which isn't, isn't that novel. There's plenty of people who have tried it in the past or do it currently, which is using the nutrients from growing fish uh, to fertilize the plants within the system. So that's kind of the, the overarching goal is to be able to grow protein through the fish and then use the waste products from the fish to grow another value-added product. So is this unique in some way, though, in how you're doing this, or is it pretty common? It is. It's not common yet. Uh, the type of technology is pretty well known. We've taken our own twist on it in a couple of different fashions. Uh, one way is that we have what's called an uncoupled system, which means if we needed to, we could grow our fish without the plants because we have the type of filtration needed to clean the water. 
Um, and we also have a way to fertilize our plants in case we don't have fish around. So what it allows us to do is be flexible uh, depending on the type of market that we're working with or the type of season, uh, just in case there's fluxes in, in fish and plants. So we've taken uh, the synergies that are related between the two, but have removed the risk of having one without the other. Because as I understand it, both feed off the other in terms of the fish produce, the waste that has the nitrogen in it that feeds the plants, and the plants create uh, clean the waters for, for the fish so they have a better filtered water. Is that is that sort of the exchange that you have there? Yep, for the most part. The uncoupled nature of the system makes it a little bit different and where we'll have a little bit more mechanical filtration of the water. But the gist of it is, yeah, they they rely on each other to keep the system um, in sync. Why walleye? Yeah. So when we were starting the business, there's lots of different fish that you can choose from. Some of the most common in these types of systems are are fish like tilapia, some warm water tropical fish. And that's mainly because they're very, very hardy. They can handle swings and water temperature and water pH. But the the issue we saw with these types of more common fish species was that there really wasn't the, the market demand for these types of fish, and the demand was often met with cheap international supply. So something like tilapia has a lot of imports from places like Southeast Asia, whereas something that we thought like walleye, which is very well-known fish in states like Minnesota and Wisconsin, you know, there's lots of anglers who are out there fishing for walleye, already has a good brand name. There's obviously a lot of um, market demand because plenty of people are willing to spend, you know, thousands of dollars to buy ice fishing equipment and fishing equipment to go out and catch them. So we thought it'd be cool to to have another uh, farm raised option for, for those people who either can't or would like uh, walleye in, in the off season. So what is the product walleye like? I mean, is there a benefit to the that type of protein? Um, not necessarily. One of the reasons a lot of fishermen like it is because it's a very clean, flaky, light, light fish. So it's, it's easy to prepare. It's awesome to fry because it, it's very flaky and fresh. So it's just a very, very tasteful fish, very Midwest based. And uh, we thought it worked really well in a, in a system and in a business that's located in the, in the upper Midwest. And the other part is growing culinary herbs. I think I saw your system said it can grow 25,000 pounds of culinary herbs and 1,500 pounds of walleye every year. So what kind of herbs are we talking? Yeah, so we, we focus on um, about a half dozen uh, different types of herbs, uh, the biggest two being basil and mint, and it, others include sorrel and chives and cilantro, Thai basil, so the system is, is really nice because it's flexible where we can grow lots of different types of products. Uh, one of the reasons we chose herbs was it, it fit uh, another niche niche market. One of the issues we found with growing some more commodity-type products such as you know, lettuce is that uh, the consumers already have lots of different options for these types of products that can be brought up from the fields of California or Arizona, mm-hmm. which is something more of a a culinary herb can fit a, a better niche in specialty markets. This type of system can help uh, help meet. I know you are really conscious of being self-sustaining and that sort of thing. And even the facility that you have is basically recycled or upcycled, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, we are located in an old potato storage warehouse in, in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. So a lot of these systems you'll see uh, located in greenhouse facilities. However, when we were running through the numbers and trying to 
uh, keep costs down, we found a, a potato storage warehouse that actually kind of fit the bill really nicely. One thing that uh, needs to happen when you store potatoes, especially in Minnesota and Wisconsin in the wintertime, is that it has to stay warm enough to keep the potatoes thawed. So the amount of insulation in this type of building is, is pretty extreme. So it allows us to really regulate the temperature in the building uh, with a relative low cost. The amount of heat and air exchange that we need to put in there is, is pretty minimal compared to that of, of a greenhouse, which uh, requires a lot more heat in the wintertime, for example. Was this just an abandoned potato storage facility in Rice Lake? Yep. So they, they just had it advertised as, a, as an empty warehouse and for multiple different uses, and we were able to work with the owner of the facility to try to put a system like this in it, which you can imagine requires quite a bit of renovation and uh, creative thinking, which is what one of our partners who is a engineer, a full-time engineer, is one who put together a lot of the plans to make a old potato warehouse work well for a new aquaponic facility. So what kind of things do you need to put in there? Obviously, you mentioned that that greenhouses are the typical place that they might have the plants growing, but so how does this work? Did you have to add a lot of windows, or what do you do in that? Yeah, so when uh, when we think about what a plant needs to grow, it, it needs, uh, needs water and a structure, something to put its roots into, then also needs a light. And since we're not growing out in a field and we're growing in a building, we need to supply all those I'm in a different different fashion. So we use what can be called aeroponic towers. It's basically a tower that allows rain or water to trickle down through the root system so the, the plants kind of grow on the sides of the tower. So in that way, we can supply both the water and kind of a structure for its roots. And then for, for the light, we actually bring in um, artificial LED lights that can supply 24-hour lighting to the, to the plant. So an efficient way to uh, to compensate for not having a greenhouse or not having windows and trying to have an energy-efficient lighting system. So you mentioned the energy efficiency. Has Have you done anything specifically for energy efficiency related to the heating of the facility since it is in Wisconsin, which is cold, and you need the warp to grow plants? Yeah, and that's where the, the potato storage warehouse really comes in handy. The facility has almost two feet of insulation wow. uh, surrounding it. So it's amazing how well the heat is retained in the wintertime and then how actually well it keeps the heat from coming in in the, in the summertime because the uh, culinary herbs do require somewhat moderate temperatures. They don't like when the temperature and humidity really rise up. So the insulation is really the saving grace for reducing the energy demands of a facility like this. Now, Trent, you have a couple other partners. You're all from Amory, Wisconsin, which is, of course, my hometown. You were high school classmates or how did this all come about? Yeah, we uh, all graduated the same year from Amory High School. We're all really close throughout high school. We always had aspirations to start a business together. So it's kind of throwing around ideas, what types of skills we could each bring to the table. And uh, we've kind of fell upon aquaponics as a way to bring together all of our skill sets. So our managing partner, Colin Bursick, uh, his family used to own the greenhouse in Amory, Wisconsin, oh. kind of got his green thumb growing up in that, that type of business and actually just moved from being a seventh grade teacher to uh, working full-time at the facility. Our other partner, Tanner Weirs, is a biological engineer or biosystems engineer who works on construction in his day job but was able to put together a lot of the 
technical aspects of our system. And myself, I grew up on a dairy farm and kind of learned how a business works, how an agriculture business works, and what we might be able to to do to bring some more efficiency and uh, self-sustaining technology to to this type of system. So you're all entrepreneurs, but currently have other jobs. Is Are you maintaining those other jobs and plan eventually to do this full-time, or, or what? Are, what's kind of the overall strategy? Yep, so only our, our one partner, Colin, is full-time at the, at the facility. A lot of this is due to just the startup nature of mm-hmm. the facility, trying to, to grow a business and grow, grow sales and revenue to support uh, the partners and support employees as well. So... The uh, short-term goal is to keep allowing Colin to to work at the facility and to to continue to grow the business to apply more opportunities for employment for either Tanner or I or other people in the community. Currently, your market is very regional in northwestern Wisconsin, correct? Or I don't, first of all, when did you actually open or start the whole business in terms of getting things up and running and? Yeah, so we started construction in April and May of this year, and first products started getting moved at the end of July to grocery stores close to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Our facility is located about a half hour from Eau Claire. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to continue to grow, grow the size, number of grocery stores that we can reach, um, but really wanted to start with those close to home. As you can tell, us three being from Amory, and keeping the the business local is is important to us to make sure that we can serve our our local community first, and then definitely have hopes to to grow it into more of a a regional Midwest type company. Your facility in Rice Lake it says that you have two one thousand gallon tanks with state of the art filtration systems, so that produces about fifteen hundred pounds of walleye every year. Is that enough? It doesn't sound like a lot to me, so I'm just curious in terms of production and demand? Uh, are you hoping that demand will grow? Yeah, we anticipate the walleye moving uh, very quickly just because of the, the well-known name and brand of, of walleye. And the like you mentioned, the production of walleye is, is somewhat limited. This is actually one of the reasons that we started the herb line is to try to develop this business model and allow us to actually grow um, in the future the walleye side of the business. One of the uh, issues with aquaculture, so just the rearing of fish, is a very capital-intensive type business. It, it requires a lot of startup money to to grow large sums of fish on land, uh, just because you have to have lots of systems in order to hold all the water plus all the filtration systems. So we're hoping within the next five years to kind of continue to do more research um, and development in terms of maximizing the the growth and efficiency of rearing walleye and growing walleye. Uh, So then we have the opportunity to grow and expand the walleye portion of the business where we're fit, able, and ready to to really meet the market demand we believe is out there for walleye. Trent, according to your website, it says Aqua Garden aims to be the first commercial land-based walleye farm in the United States. So traditionally, are they based in waters? Or I'm not familiar with the the industry, so I'm just curious, what exactly does that statement mean? Yeah, so there currently are no land-based walleye farms in the U.S. that we we know of, especially in the Midwest. So if you go to the grocery store and try to find walleye, most of the time um, it's going to be frozen and prepackaged, oftentimes wild-caught from Canada. Uh, which is also the place a lot of anglers go to catch their walleye. So if you're looking to have a 
fresh filet of walleye, you're going to have a pretty hard time trying to find that type of product in the Midwest. So we think that there's there's a huge demand to meet the, the fresh walleye need within the Midwest market and think that aquaculture and aquaponics is a sustainable and self-sustaining way to provide that demand without over overfishing our, our waters and, and reducing the natural populations of walleye. Do you think consumers will notice a difference between the wild-produced versus the, say, domestic-produced walleye product? Um, there really should not be much of a, a difference in flavor or, or texture. So there, there shouldn't be a difference from, from that standpoint. However, there are a number of benefits of, of farm-raised water and fish in general is having them kept within a, a system that has filtered water and and water that you know we're consistently testing for, for microbes and heavy metal contaminants. Items like that is you don't have to worry about, you know, mercury and fish or microbial contamination or anything like that. So there are some are some benefits for sure for uh, some farm-raised fish. You mentioned it's capital-heavy at the beginning. Did you have a GoFundMe, or how did you guys as entrepreneurs do the work to raise enough money to get going on this? Yeah, so we always had to be a little bit creative, so a lot of it came from 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 ourselves. Uh, we believe that this business has a real opportunity to grow and meet meet some demand, but um, also it's just some typical finance options, working with banks and friends and family, of course, believe in us and believe in the system too and are able to able to chip in. I was going to ask you when you're going to go on Shark Tank because I think it'd be a kind of a cool thing to do. We, we really do think that um, fish production, aquaculture is, is going to be a huge part of agriculture in the future and definitely believe there's going to be a continued investment in this space. So um, we're definitely looking forward to the industry growing because it, it brings more interest, more talks like this, more investment, uh, just more clout to into the industry. Does this prevent, doing this type of thing, prevent pollution and things? It could be because you're recycling essentially the water for the plants and the fish and it's all going together versus just dumping it out someplace? Yeah, there there's definitely is different ecologically friendly things that happen in a system like this. Like you mentioned, it's all self-contained. So all the waste that's created in the system basically uh, gets utilized in terms of fertilizing the plants. I mean, those nutrients are turned into nutrients that we can consume as, as humans. So we, we prevent a lot of nutrient or potential nutrient runoff because it's all, all self-contained in that fashion. But there's also, you know, other things that any business has that we're, we're conscious of of trying to, to limit, you know, packaging and garbage that we create within the business. It's just staying conscious to, to limit these and try to move as much bulk material as possible because it limits the amount of packaging and the amount of miles that uh, the food has to travel to reach the end consumer. Are you going to be working with any chefs or fancy restaurants? Because this seems like the thing that, because it's so specialized, might be a good market for that. Yeah, so we, we currently are within just a couple local restaurants and are happy to grow grow that demand if it's there. One thing that we struggle with as a small business is finding the amount of time and labor to to achieve everything that needs to be done, especially with two of us maintaining full-time jobs off the off the operation. So trying to find those businesses and consumers, customers that, that will be able to, to take a large enough quantity that we can maintain the account to the best of our ability. Are there any other employees besides you and your two partners at this point? Nope, it's just us. And then our, our spouses and friends and family are always willing to chip in and help with construction or 
uh, getting materials. So it, it definitely takes a lot of a lot of people and a lot of free labor to to help try to get it, this business off the ground. So how many people you will eventually need to run this if you expand? I mean, is it the kind of thing that might create jobs in an area? One of our intentions, uh, this was an early conversation when we first started the business, is that we wanted to be a net positive for our community in many different regards. So and creating jobs is is one of that, providing fresh food um, in the forms of fish and um, herbs is definitely a part of that as well. So it's been a goal from the get-go to be at a scale where we can employ local community members in, in jobs that are, are high paying. So having having jobs that are available beyond just that of maintaining produce or packaging produce and really having some value added, higher income type jobs is, is the goal. But to do that, like you mentioned, there is more more growth and scaling that our business has to has to do before we get to that point. So when you opened up, did everything work as planned or are there some snags or objects maybe got in the way? How have things been going? Oh, with every business, there's, <laughs> there's always hang-ups and, and things that you couldn't quite foresee. Uh, for us, the, the big one was the amount of food safety certifications that we would need to have um, in order to get into grocery stores. One of the things, one of the misunderstandings or assumptions we had, so our, our herbs are sold raw, meaning that we mm-hmm. don't, don't process them other than cutting them off the, off the plant and putting them in a package. So they're, they're raw herbs. So legally, there's, there's very few things that we are required to do because we're not making prepackaged salad kits or something like that. So, but getting into grocery stores and working with more distributors, there, there is more, more steps, more records, more insurance, all those things that a business needs to have, all all good and protects the end consumer, just takes longer and requires more more steps than what we originally thought. But that's been the big one. Has that discouraged you at all? Not whatsoever. If anything, <laughs> it gives someone more confidence in the industry. Working with the agriculture departments who certify these types of things, it gives you a lot of confidence that our food supply chain is very well maintained and regulated to make sure that food is safe. So although it you know, slows down our progress in terms of providing our, our herbs to the market, it keeps us, keeps us in check and making sure that we're providing a safe product for consumers. How long does it take to raise a walleye from, I guess, I don't know if you have them as little baby fish to a, a marketable size? Yeah, so depends on what the the end size is. So our goal is to get them up to about about a pound and a quarter to a pound and a half. Uh, so maybe not quite as big as the record walleye somebody would catch out <laughs> on the lake. But it takes about from fingerling size, which is about three inches, to market size. It should take us about um, fifteen to eighteen months. So oh wow, um, about a year to year and a half. That yep. that's a long time. <laughs> Yeah, it it is, and that's one of the reasons why our system can't handle a lot of, of fish is because they all have to be in there for, for quite a while. But I should also mention, too, uh, we're very fortunate to work with uh, University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, um, which is a public university um, here in Wisconsin who does a lot of research in terms of uh, walleye reproduction and walleye rearing. Uh, so we're actually able to work with them to... Uh, get our first batch of fingerlings, our first uh, batch of baby walleye to utilize in our system. So um, also goes to show that a business like ours is reliant upon um, other entities uh, for us to really get off the ground because um, it's hard to reproduce walleye um, 
right off the ground. You know, I knew somehow you had to be involved with the university because your family is very in tune with it, higher education. So that's I'm glad to hear that. That's great. Uh, anything else you think people should know about Aqua Garden LLC and what you're doing? Um, yeah, well, well, stay tuned for sure. We're hoping to expand our, our market. So eventually, hopefully, maybe that means reaching down into uh, the Mankato, Minnesota market. So in the grocery stores, you'll see us see us in the uh, herb section, uh, the fresh herb section. So look for the wobbly walleye uh, picture on the front of herbs and also feel free to check us out on, on our website and that gives a lot more detail in terms of how our business works and um, the types of technologies that we use. How do people find your website? What is it? Uh, AquagardenLLC.com And one more question. How did you get the name Wobbly Walleye for your product? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this was, you know, an interesting conversation within the group. When you go into the produce aisle of the grocery store, you see a lot of, you know, fresh this or herbal this and a lot of light um, kind of natural feeling names and um, and brands. But if uh, anyone were to meet us in person, um, kind of that natural and um, natural brand doesn't really fit us. You know, we're three <laughs> high school friends who, who love, um, you know, watching sports and going hunting and, and just having a good time. So we wanted to have a name and a brand that kind of uh, meshed with our, our personality and our friendship. So Wobbly Wally uh, sounded pretty fun and uh, makes sense with uh, fish growing in our system. So it, it kind of just stuck. I, I love it. That is, that is great. Uh, I can't think of anything else right now to ask you. Um, I look forward to seeing your your program grow. Uh, any plans soon to expand, or how long do you wait before you think of something like that? Um, as soon as we've met our market demand and um, have the the people and financing in place to grow, we we definitely plan to do so. So, so are you going to go on Shark Tank? Um, if they invite us on, we'll definitely be there. I think you should apply. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'd be cheering you on. I'd be one of the first to cheer you on. Well, thank you so much, Trent. I appreciate your time, and good luck to you with the Aqua Garden LLC, and it sounds like it'll be a while before we see your walleye product in the market. Yep. Not too long, though. Keep your eyes peeled. All right. Great. Take care. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, Karen. All right. Bye-bye, Trent. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where you're part owner, member NCUA, more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.